Uh, today I want to continue in our, uh, our series in Isaiah, in Isaiah and uh, I want to share the verse which I want to highlight. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Now, this is a promise that we can stand on. This is a promise that we need to kind of have memorized because there are and there will be times in your life when you have your energy just like sucked out of you. I mean, there are times when you just feel like totally drained. And it is good to know that the Lord desires uh, to renew your strength and that the way you're going to have your strength renewed is by depending on God. Now, things that suck the life out of you are pretty obvious. You know, you get in an argument with somebody uh, or you get misunderstood by somebody and, uh, or you get accused by somebody. I mean, you just feel the life draining out of you. Or uh, if you get, uh, you know, legal action and you get, uh, depo- what is the thing they do, deposition, and you've got lawyers grilling you. I mean, you, unless you do this regularly, if that happens to you for the first time, you are drained. I mean, it's draining. Uh, the other way that we get drained is when people like have half-truths, you know, and they accusations against you, and they're assaulting your, your, your character, and, and uh, you know, it's a half-truth, and it's been twisted, or what you've said has been twisted, or what you meant to have happen has been misunderstood. I mean, you just feel totally like, okay, how do you get, you know, the boogeyman that's gone out there back under control, which is out of your control, and you just feel depleted. And so I want to share with you the story in the Old Testament about Hezekiah. Hezekiah is one of these characters or one of the stories in the Bible that we should all be like super familiar with. You know, it's one of those stories that's just looms large. And uh, the story of Hezekiah uh, is shared in three different places in the Bible. Uh, I'm looking at it today from the book of Isaiah because we're working through the book of Isaiah. It's also shared in, uh, in the Second Kings and in Second Chronicles. Now, a little bit of Bible uh, knowledge or understanding is helpful here because each uh, author has a different uh, aspect that he's trying to communicate. So these stories are similar but different, or should I say they're the same, but each book has a different slant or adds a little bit of different information. So you really need to read all three of them to get the whole story. Now, Isaiah is a prophet. He is hearing from God. His primary message, as we've heard up until now, is God is saying to Isaiah, listen, you need to go and talk to the people, talk to the rulers and the kings, and tell them about my will. But Isaiah, by the way, before you go out there, let me just tell you, nobody's going to listen. So you're going to talk your, you know, and try your best, and everybody's just going to have deaf ears. Go for it, Isaiah. And Isaiah's like, send me. And then he's like, whoa, what did I say send me for? This is brutal. You know, this is... And so Isaiah is just a super faithful prophet. And then when he recounts the story in a, of Hezekiah, what Isaiah is doing is he's recounting the story from a prophet standpoint. Like, God has told me this. I'm telling you, uh, Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah, how did you respond to what I told you? And good job, Hezekiah. Or not such a good job, Hezekiah. Now, by the way, Hezekiah is one of the good kings. I mean, he, he's a, a good king in the Bible. But what's so awesome about the story of Hezekiah 
is he's totally human. I mean, like you see his mistakes and we identify with Hezekiah's mistakes, but we should also identify with Hezekiah's spirituality and how he depended on God and how God came through, which is what we'll talk about. But now getting back to the other authors, the other parts of the story, if you're reading the story of Hezekiah from Kings, it's in 2 Kings, the, the, the author of Kings is trying to communicate this. Who are the good kings? Who are the bad kings? Why are they good kings or why are they bad kings? Move on. That's what you're going to get out of the book of Kings. Now, when you read Second Chronicles, uh, the story in Second Chronicles or in Chronicles, Chronicles has a different a- aspect. He's like, okay, which king had an emphasis on spirituality? Okay, how did, how did Hezekiah respond to the temple, to worship, to praising God? And that's where Second Kings, I mean, Second Chronicles or Chronicles emphasizes stuff. So when you put the three together, you've got Kings, which would be like a historical narrative, Chronicles, which is like focused on the temple and the worship of God and hearing God's voice and how did that all work out. And then you've got Isaiah, which is prophetic in nature. So they've got a different focus. Now, they're all historical and they all sort of overlap, but that's one way of just making sense of it all. But also the reason why you should read these accounts in different places. And on the back of your bulletin insert, I've given you the references of where you can find them all. So you can use that as part of your uh, reading during the week if, you, if you'd like to just emphasize the story. But I want to start off with Second Kings, the historical uh, slant of the story of Hezekiah. And uh, the Bible does a pretty good job of explaining um, the history here. So I'm just going to read and actually, today's service would be one of those good services where you've got a hard copy of the Bible. Not that you can't get a, you know, follow the references on your phone, but I'm going to be jumping around a lot, and there's parallels and overlap, and it's just kind of helpful I, for me. I'm a you know, person that likes to take little notes, so it's helpful just to make notes in your Bible. Hezekiah, as told in 2 Kings chapter 18, and I'm reading one through probably seven or so. Hezekiah, son of Ahaz. Okay, now we've got, this is, this is kings, right? They're trying to give a historical narrative. Okay, he is the son of Ahaz. Ahaz was a terrible king. Ahaz uh, was such a terrible king that he killed one of his sons. Why? Because Ahaz was trying to get power by following the nations around them. And the nations around them said, you know, the way you get power is you sacrifice your son. And in doing that, you know, whatever, whatever. And so Hezekiah escapes his father's, uh, you know, killing. His brother gets taken out. But Hezekiah, unlike his father, becomes a really good king. So uh, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hoshi's reign in Israel. Okay, so the Jewish people are broken up geographically into two areas. The northern part are referred to Israel, and the southern part are referred to as Judah. The northern part, Israel sort of abandoned God much quicker than the southern part, uh, Judah. And they both had kings ruling over the areas. Uh, Verse 2, he was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah and the daughter of Zechariah, and here's the point. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, cut down the Shearer poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Nahushim. Now, 
we in a, have a tendency to seek power and to seek help anywhere other than God. And God is saying, come to me, come to me. And as people, we'll like do everything else. And, you know, we see it with, you know, Red Sox season is starting up again. And we just finished Patriot season. And everybody knows if you sit in the exact same place where they won last year, or you rub your hair the exact the right way, you'll be lucky and you'll win. And, and you know, and, and we just do this. And I mean, this is like 2018. Hello. I mean, we are still like ridiculously superstitious, looking for power anywhere else but with God. I mean, it's just like not such an ancient thing. Anyway, uh, so in verse 5, Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. I mean, he was just like, Hezekiah is just like the hero of all the kings. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him. And Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Look, this is just like the summary of the whole Old Testament in this verse. Uh, God desires to bless you and to bless me. And the, the, prepos- the, the, the way God does this is as we honor God, as we live for God, as we obey God, God pours out his blessing on us. And that's what's happened here. I'll just read it again. Uh, he remained faithful to the Lord in everything. And he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given. That's what we should be doing. We honor the Lord. And then verse 7, so the Lord was with him. And Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. Okay, so there's a little bit of a a historical background, the backdrop of what's happening. And uh, in uh, in 2 Kings 18, 9 through, I'm going to be jumping here a little bit just... Uh, out of interest of time. But in 2 Kings, we pick up the story of Israel, and basically the Assyrians have overtaken that section of the Jewish people, and they've conquered them, and they've taken them into exile. And now you've got uh, this Assyrian nation, which is now encamped all over and around uh, Jerusalem. They've annihilated everybody else. Uh, And they're sort of zoning in on Jerusalem and where Hezekiah is. And On the one hand, the prophet Isaiah, as just said in the book of Isaiah, he's made a prophecy to the Assyrians before they've done this. And he said, you will not conquer Jerusalem. Uh, I should actually find that and read that verse. But uh, in uh, Isaiah, I think it's probably 35 around there, you will pick up this prophecy against uh, the Assyrians. And it's important because the Assyrians are about to try and conquer uh, Jerusalem. And that's the big story that uh, we want to get to here. Uh, Now, the big plus, as we've just seen from Hezekiah, and I'm going to read this from Chronicles, because this is the emphasis, again, on the spiritual uh, aspect of, uh, of life. So in Chronicles 29, verse 6 and 7, it says this, Our ancestors were unfaithful and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. They turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the temple, entry room, and they snuffed out the lamps. They stopped burning incense and and, uh, presenting burnt offerings at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. So basically, you know, Ahaz 
is just like done away with God. He said, this is ridiculous. You know, this going to the temple thing and this all this ritual, we don't need to do all that. And he closes up shop, closes up the temple, tells all the priests to go and do something else for a living, you know. And Hezekiah comes back and he says, no, 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 no. Open the doors of the temple. Let's get the candles burning again. Let's get the offerings going. He says to all the priests, listen, you guys need to sort your lives out. Get pure. Go and purify yourselves and make it happen and do it in a rush. And in fact, Hezekiah is so anxious to do this. He's like, you know, the, the Passover major f- festival is coming up. And Isaiah is like, okay, you guys need to get clean and pure, but we don't have time because the Passover festival is coming. And then Hezekiah said, okay, forget about the date of the Passover. We'll move Passover out. We'll, we'll make it later because we want the priest to be purified and, and right with God. And that's what they do. And as a result, God's blessing just starts flowing and falling. This is just so pleasing to God when people turn to God. And, you know, for us, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter how we mess up. When we turn to God, God wants to bless us. He's desiring to bless us. But He's waiting for us to change, to repent and say, God, you know, I want to do what's right in your eyes. And God's always just waiting there. Now, again, from a Bible teaching standpoint, uh, Isaiah 40, chapter 40, is like a whole turning point in the book. And I've specifically chosen a verse in Isaiah chapter 40 to link chapter 40 with the previous verses in Hezekiah uh, because of this. Those that are non-believers or historically, uh, historically critical of the Bible, their emphasis is this. They're saying it cannot be the same author that wrote Isaiah chapter 1 through chapter 39 cannot be the same guy that wrote chapter 40 through the end of uh, you know Isaiah 66 because there's just uh, an incredible thing that happens in chapter 40. And this is what happens. Isaiah starts predicting that through prophecy that the people of Israel and Jerusalem are all going to go to exile. And he's already talking about how God wants to bless them when they come out of exile. And they're thinking, that's impossible unless God is inspired it and God knew about it. Well, of course, if you're not into God being able to be all-powerful, then you just say it can't be the same person. But if you have any ability to believe in the awesome power of God, you realize, yes, Isaiah could have foreseen what was going to happen and speak into it. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. That's a verse out of uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And it's God saying to the the, the, the people, look, a lot of hardship is about to happen to you guys because of your disobedience. But those who trust in the Lord will gain you strength. And it's a promise for us too, no matter what hardship we're about to go into, God wants to renew, give us new strength. Uh, what God is asking us to do is this. He wants us to do the obvious. He wants us to do what's natural. He wants us to do, you know, use, engage our brains and to do what we should do. But at the same time, we're also spiritual beings. And God is saying it's far more than just the natural. We should do the natural, but we should also expect the supernatural. It's like we do the natural and we say, God, you are a God of supernatural. You can really do the things that are most important that I can't do. But you do need to do the things that you need to do. I mean, it's like if you're sick, you need to go see a doctor. I mean, it's really important you do the obvious. But at the same time, you say, God, the doctors are somewhat limited. Can you do the supernatural? Can you do the incredible? Can you do the impossible? That's what we should, that's how we should be living as believers. And that's how God actually wants us to live as believers. Let's look at the story in uh, Second Chronicles again. 
chapter 32, verse 1 through 8. Here's the, um, the challenge. Here's the, the story, uh, so to speak, of uh, King Hezekiah. So the backdrop is the Syrian army is circling in. They're going to lay siege to the city. The way war would operate in those days was the army would circle around the city and they would just not let anybody out or let anybody in until everybody pretty much starved to death and they started eating each other and, the, and there was pandemonium within the city. Then they would invade when everybody was weak. That's the way warfare uh, was carried on. So let's just read here in uh, 31... It, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 1 through 8. After Hezekiah had faithfully carried out his work, King Sennacherib of Assyria invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified towns, giving orders for his army to break through their walls. When Hezekiah realized that Sennacherib also intended to attack Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military advisors and then decided to stop the flow of the springs outside the city. They organized a huge work crew to stop the flow of the springs, cutting off the brook that ran through the fields. For they said, why should kings of Assyria come here and find plenty of water? Then Hezekiah worked hard at repairing all the broken sections of the wall, erecting towers and constructing a, a second wall outside of the first. He also reinforced the supporting terraces in the city, you know, in verse 6, he appointed military officers. And uh, in verse 7, he encouraged, he encouraged them and said, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is power far greater on our side. So what Hezekiah is doing is really an awesome thing. He's saying, okay, look, we need to do everything. We, everything we can in the natural. The first thing is we need to strengthen up our defense system. We're going to rebuild the walls. We're going to build another wall. We're going to build up our military. We're going to strengthen our shields and, and all of that. And we're going to take care of our water supply. And, uh, and we're going to make sure we've got enough water in the city. But again, he's saying it's not only that. It's also be remember, remindful that God who's with us is far greater than the enemy against us. We have the all-powerful, mighty God on our side. And it doesn't mean to say they're not going to go through difficulties. They're going to go through difficulties. Now, if you go to Israel today, you can actually go to this uh, water system that Hezekiah built. I mean, in verse 30, which I'm not reading, he builds a tunnel to get water into the middle of the city. And you can go to Israel today and actually walk through this tunnel. I mean, it's an incredible, you know, historical reconnection. In fact, talking about historical reconnection, just recently, like in the last few months, they just discovered Isaiah's, you know, uh, scroll stuff, his signatures, his like seal in, on the, in the corner of Jerusalem uh, when they've been doing archaeological work. I mean, the stuff that's happening today, recently, now, it's just confirming so much of what's in the Bible. It's really just, it's an incredible time. Uh, that, that we're living in, how much of this Bible history is being reconfirmed. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, here we have Hezekiah. He's, do, he's done everything. He's not being lazy. He's, he's praying. He's, he's seeking the Lord. And he's doing everything that he can in his natural strength. Everything he can for his natural strength. Uh, it's really uh, you know, a, a, a reminder to us that uh, we need to do the same thing. But then in Isaiah 36, jumping back to Isaiah, Isaiah 36, 4 through 10. Let me just read the, uh, 
how the life just gets sucked out of these guys and uh, how their faith gets tested because we can relate to this. Then the Assyrian uh, king's chief of staff, so if you've got the NRV, it'll say he's a field commander. The army's coming in. The first thing they do is mental warfare. They try and break you down emotionally and em mentally, and then they attack you physically. Reading this in verse 4, then Assyrian ch king's chief of staff told them, to give this message to Hezekiah. So these guys are standing outside, they're shouting out to Hezekiah and all the, the people of Jerusalem, and they're trying to break them down emotionally. This is what the king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Okay, so firstly, it's what are you trusting in? And you will take a similar uh, assault in whatever it is that you're dealing with. And the question is, what are you trusting in? Because whatever you're trusting in, the enemy will come and use it to undermine your faith in God. So the guy is shouting, what are you trusting? Are you going to trust in your army? Are you going to trust in all your good soldiers? Are you kidding me? Like, we're bigger than you, we're greater than you. Do you think that mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? So don't, like, give a good pep talk, Hezekiah, to your guys and tell them that God's on your side. That's just not going to cut it. Like, we're huge and we're powerful and we've annihilated everybody. And then he says, who are you counting on? Not only what are you counting on, but who are you counting on? And he says, like, are you kidding me? You're going to depend on Egypt? That so-called like, powerful nation, they, they're as useless as anything. It's like they're like a reed. I mean, it's just not going to happen. He says, who are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? On Egypt? If you lean on Egypt, it'll be like a reed that splinters beneath the weight, your weight, and pierces your hand. Then verse 7, it says, but perhaps you will say, we are trusting in the Lord, our God. Okay, I mean, these guys have thought about when they attack you, what is your defense going to be? So he's going straight at it now. He's like, are you kidding me? You're going to tell me you're going to trust in God? Have a look around. We the Assyrians. Nobody's beaten us. Don't come up with that lame thing like you're going to trust in God. It ain't going to work. And this will happen in your lives today. I mean, you tell people I'm trusting in God, and they're like, are you kidding me? We've got work to do. I mean, we've got things to sort out. Don't tell me you're trusting. And it takes faith to say, I'm going to trust in God. So Hezekiah is being slaughtered in every which way, emotionally, spiritually. He's being attacked. He's being attacked. He's being attacked. And I guarantee you, his energy level is going down, 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 because each area that he's sort of hoped, he's hoped his army, he's hoped on his walls, he's hoping that God's going to come through, and he's being assaulted again and again. And then in verse 8 it says, I tell you what, Syria, strike a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. You know, I'll give you 2,000 horses if you've even got riders that can ride those horses. I mean, he's just mocking him. He's just, uh, just humiliating him. And then he, start, he leaves off this attack with another punchline that we know only too well in church. It says here in verse 10, at the end of verse 10, The Lord himself told us, attack this land and destroy it. You know, we here at church will often, I'll often hear people come to me and say, you know, God told me. Well, look, it's a game changer. If God has told you, then God has told you. You need to do what, what God has told you. The problem is this. Often when people come to me and they say, God has told me, I'm a little skeptical. Because if God has told you, that's, that's the end of it. I mean, it's, God is God. But n more often than not, when people say to me, God has told me, I'm like, no, God may not have told you, or you may not have heard that God has told you. And so what the Syrian field marshal is doing here, he's saying, God has told me that we are going to have victory over you. 
And, you know, from a believing nation, they're like, okay, if God's against me, like, if God has really told him, it's game over. But let me tell you this from a practical pastoral standpoint. When somebody says to you, God has told me, the, the thing you want to do is push back and say, does your spouse believe that? Firstly, I mean, those that are closest to you, are they, are, are they agreeing that God has told you? This is, this is healthy uh, spirituality. You want to ask your spouse, do you think this is what God has told me? Do you agree with me? Yes. Okay. Then ask those that are in close community to, to you, has God told you this? Does this ring true? Yes. Then move on. Uh, you know, I've seen disastrous mistakes in, even in, in pastoral ministries. Uh, you know, some of my work in Spain, one of the heart, most heartbreaking things was the pastor saying, God has told me to move to America. And we were like, no! And his community, his, his congregation is saying, no! And all his leaders that were in the church saying, no! And he's saying, yes, God has told me to do it. And then he moved to America and was a complete disaster. Absolute disaster. He goes back to Spain. I mean, believe me, this is serious stuff. It's serious that we hear God's voice. We should absolutely hear God's voice, but we should also have the confidence that others are also hearing God's voice. And sometimes this is used as an attack against you, like in this case, where the army, the, mil- the guy saying, I've heard God's voice, and let me tell you, I'm going to annihilate you. I mean, that's what's going on here. But then Hezekiah does this thing which is just awesome. And this is the take-home point for this message for today. Hezekiah gets uh, you know, humiliated by this uh, leader. The guy's shouting from the walls. He's saying all this stuff. Hezekiah takes all this and he, takes this and he gets it all written out. All these accusations, all these false threats, everything that's been said, and he lays it down in front of the Lord. Uh, in fact, I need to read that. Uh, in, Hezekiah, in Isaiah 37, 14 through 20, I'm just going to read 14. After Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it, he went to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. Verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed this before the Lord. And he basically says, Lord, here are all the threats. Here's all the misunderstandings. And, and the reason this is so practical is you and I need to do the same thing. When people falsely accuse you, when you're misunderstood, you need to take it to the Lord. And what Hezekiah does, he lays it out before the Lord and he said, Lord, here's all the accusations, here's all the threats. Then he prays. Now, here's the hard part. That's the easy part, by the way. Here's the hard part. Then Hezekiah lets it go. He lets it go. He says, God, you've heard it. I've prayed about it. I'm not picking this up again. Now, when that tape goes in your head, again and again, of the accusations and of the mistakes you've made and of the false things you've done. You've got to say, God, I've given it to you. I've laid it down and I'm removing it. I'm going to let it go. And you do not pick that thing up again. You do not replay the tape again and again and again. That is a lack of faith. Believe me, I'm preaching to myself in this. You lay it out before the Lord and you let it go. And when you're tempted to pick it up, You say, no, that's a lack of faith. God has heard my prayer. God has heard the accusations against me. God is going to take care of it. It's very powerful. Lay it out and let it go. Lay it out in prayer and let it go. And believe me, the hard part is the letting go part. And what I want to emphasize here, it's a spiritual exercise to let it go. Because God has heard your prayer and God will take care of it. 
Now, in the interest of time, I've got to finish the story of Hezekiah. So they keep threatening, and they keep assaulting uh, Jerusalem. And, you know, it's like it's no big deal for God. I mean, you know, like God just does his miraculous thing. And God says, basically, I'm going to do two things to deal with these guys. Firstly, I'm going to send them a, a, a notice that uh, um, Ethiopia is about to attack them. So the army is going to be like, ah, we're going to get out of Jerusalem because we're going to deal with Ethiopia. And then God says, and then, you know, I'm just going to cause a little confusion in the Syrians' camp. And they all slaughter each other overnight. They just like start killing each other. We don't even know why. They just like got mad at each other. They wake up the next morning. Half the Syrian army is dead lying around. Those that are alive, they look around. They're like, out of here. And the Syrians never, ever did attack uh, Jerusalem. It was the Babylonians that ended up attacking uh, Jerusalem. But that, you know, that was a different story in a different day. And it wasn't with King Hezekiah. It was, you know, a bad, evil king that was then in power. God is like saying again and again, let me help you out. Please follow me. If you follow me, I'll bless you. Let me show you how I'll bless you. And then, you know, they, like we do, we're like, oh, yeah, that was then. But, you know, my problem today is really worse. And, and we just give up on God. Uh, let me just finish this way. God sees your troubles and God has a promise for you. In Isaiah 40, 27, it says this. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? We have to understand that God has seen our trouble. God knows our trouble. When we pray, God is, we like just reminding God of something God already knows. It's like for our good. But it is important that we pray. We give it to God. And then we think about verse 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. When you lay it down, when you let it go, you can be sure that the Lord will give you new strength. It's a promise from the Lord. Why don't we uh, stand and let's worship the Lord and uh, praise Him for the things that He is doing. Lord Jesus, I just thank You that You are more powerful than those that stand against us, those that accuse us, Lord, those that uh, uh, misunderstand us or our motives or whatever, Lord, uh, even the, the stupid things that we do. Lord, we thank You that You are more powerful and Your heart is a heart of love, a heart of forgiveness. Uh, God, you are a God that wants to bless us and empower us. And I thank you that you have given us your power to take care of our problems. In your name, Jesus. Amen.